Welcome to the 46th episode of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Millett. Many episodes of this podcast have alluded to early sports specialization and its inherent pros and cons. Playing a variety of sports during elementary and middle school has been proven tirelessly to be beneficial to continued athlete success. What happens when early sports specialization requires that further training be done miles, even continents and oceans away? I have Tista Sullivan and her son Jared on today to talk through the international soccer landscape and shine a light upon the culture of soccer clubs abroad. In the Sullivan's case, Jared's love for the sport began before he went to kindergarten. Yeah, so I started playing football when I was five, and ever since then, I basically loved it. And um, yeah, my parents didn't push me or anything. I just started with my father and playing with my older brother because he was a goalie, so I'd always shoot on him. And I just had a lot of fun with it. Jared was placed on a team with his older brother, Kyler, and his parents watched his passion for soccer soar. It was interesting because it was we were in a small town. We had moved to North Carolina to a small area named Shalote. It's near the coast. And there was a community soccer league, and I wanted the kids to be involved in some activity. You know, Jared was five, Kyler was seven, and the people at the league said that they were permitted to be on the same team, which made it a lot easier for us to have them on the same group. And um, Jared just automatically or immediately began to love it. And we had a little goal set up, and my husband would have them, you know, play in the backyard and then the front yard, and you know, eventually all three of my kids played but he just gravitated towards it. And in fact, my husband tried to discourage him from soccer because that wasn't his first you know, love as a sport. My husband wanted them to play baseball, which is what he'd played or you know, American football. And so we tried to get them into basketball, baseball, football, you know, lacrosse. They had other experiences, but Jared just always seemed to love the soccer ball. By the time Jared was in middle school, he was seriously considering foregoing a traditional American education and instead focusing on his newfound dream of playing better soccer overseas. He was invited to a youth camp run by the Premier League's West Ham United and began to recognize his dream coming true. When I got invited to a camp for the West Ham United and I saw how they train overseas and over there, I really, I really liked the way and the style they played over there. So that's when I wanted to put it all into soccer. At age 11, Jared got his first taste of the professional soccer atmosphere that he craved. It was within reach. His classmates in North Carolina didn't quite understand his vision, but they were supportive of their friend as he left the East Coast behind and moved to Europe. Most of them, I mean, most of them were excited for me and thought it was a great opportunity to just do something that most people aren't doing right now. So most of them supported me and uh, they just really excited with the idea of it. I only had two years of actual high school in America. So most of it has been online abroad. But while I was here in high school, it was uh, mostly just studying and then playing soccer afterwards. So I didn't have as much social uh, part of high school, but it was still good. As Tista watched her baby boy head off in the direction of his dreams, she just hoped that she had done enough to prepare him. I don't think he feels that he missed out on social opportunities. Sometimes I wonder if he did because he wasn't able to go to a prom or homecoming or to do some of the things that typically American high schoolers do get to participate in. But at the same time, he's had some wonderful experiences that many people just dream of and would never be able to you know, do. So I, I think it's evened out. I mean, we, we were fortunate in that we had some strong coaches, even from when he was on the community leagues, who encouraged us to you know, allow him to develop. And 
my husband especially was very even though he didn't have that initial love for soccer he wanted to encourage our children to do whatever you know they wanted and you know, obviously you you love watching your kids do what they're passionate about and you love seeing them excel and grow or or, or just develop into whoever they're going to be and so we allowed them to have you know camps and every time there were summer camps or camp opportunities from especially european clubs we would you know ask if they wanted to participate and he always wanted the soccer camps you know my older son wanted the science my younger daughter wanted you know the animal camps and this one consistently soccer whatever it was any chance he could do or play and we from when he was maybe nine or ten we were having we had a brazilian coach and a irish coach both who said that his style was very technical and um but a couple of them say his style was different than most of the american players that they worked with or that they saw you know we had an opportunity with west ham united they have an international camp that you go to a local camp and the, some children are selected then they went to a national camp and he was fortunate enough to be selected to go to the international camp and there were 18 boys from all across the world I and mean, there was a scottish child australian child mm. irish and it it was the first time we were really exposed to what training is like overseas in an academy environment at you know, West Ham United, which is this huge, huge you know, club over in Europe. And we lived on Upton, um, the park, the grounds. We stayed there for the 10, 12 days. We were fully immersed in the experience. You got to eat there, be on the pitch. It, it, was, um, it was just a totally different exposure. It was very enlightening to see how they viewed soccer as a culture. And it was through an entirely different lens than we view it here. And, you know, unfortunately, we did not have EU citizenship. And to play in the European countries, that's one of the largest barriers for many Americans. You can't play um, without having that EU, you know, passport or dual citizenship. But it did allow us to kind of view what other opportunities were out there or how other countries and culture played and trained. And, you know, it was interesting. I kept videotaping their training sessions, they didn't focus on the same things that we focused on here. They had a lot of small-sided games. And I spoke with a gentleman named Tony Carr, who was you know, running the club and very well-known footballer, you know, football manager. And he, at one point, the boys were running all over the field in every direction, bumping into each other. There was yelling, screaming, they were loving it. But it was, it didn't look at all structured. And another parent and myself, you know, kind of, were laughing about it and saying they looked like they're having a great time. And he said they deliberately tried to create organized chaos. Jared's experiences with youth sport in North Carolina were put to bed the first time he stepped out on an English field. The game was faster, more technical. He was small and Tista feared that he wouldn't be able to keep up with the dramatic change of pace. Yeah, the biggest difference I've noticed is the way the coaches teach the tactical side of soccer, just moving off the ball and the way you play and pass the ball within the team. And um, other than that, it's just the speed of play uh, over in the other countries I've noticed uh, significantly faster than over here. First few games I watched of the teams I was going to join play, it was super fast and I thought, wow, this is pretty crazy. This is the highest level I've seen. But um, once you start playing with them, you adapt pretty, adapted quickly. So, and um, you keep learning new things from the players you're playing with. So um, I had a, it was good just learning from that way. That camp served as Jared's introduction into the rest of his life. At age 15, he joined the Italian soccer ranks. 
and they placed him with the men's league. Now, they've got several, you know, tiers of soccer or football in Italy and many of these culture, you know, countries. So it wasn't a professional or semi-pro, but it was a men's league. So he was playing with 19 to 25 year old young men who were hoping to break into the semi-pro club. This was when he was 15. So it was still, you know, wonderful opportunity for him to play at a higher level. Initially, you know, that sounds phenomenal, like you're playing in this high level team. But then we realized that, you know, if you've got 20 tiers of soccer, if it's a men's league, it may be a men's club. And initially when Jared was 15, he was with, he happened to be placed with a group that was trying to break into the semi-pro league. So it was a men's club, but it was at least, it was a strong men's team, which was very fortunate for him. But you could be placed with a men's club that's just, you know, Sunday players or, you know, training now and then. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that there are going to be any scouts there or anybody seeing you who's going to be able to help you get to the next level. Yeah, I was able to fit in with the team just from my technical skills with my feet. But as far as the physicality, I was the smallest and would get pushed over like a lot during practice and training. But um, other than that, I really liked playing against the older players and it helped me grow a lot faster. Jared was suddenly playing with young men five and six years his senior and living in a foreign country alone for the first time. But it didn't sway his work ethic. Yeah, it's so, it's so much different over there than in America, just everything like the living style. So I had to get used to some of the things that I'm used to from back home. But um, like the food and everything else was great. And then the football, of course, is what I really loved. And the level was much higher. So the time difference, it was annoying in the morning every time I'd get up and I couldn't text them right away. But um, that was fine because it was I was lucky to be ahead of the time. So then when I went to sleep, I could write them before going to bed and everything. And uh, culture-wise, I think, uh, it just took some time getting used to. That's it. He said in Italy, people are much more, they're louder and kind of bigger, um, if that makes sense. And so he would think people were arguing and that was just the manner in which they yeah, communicate. Yeah, they always sound like they're just arguing with each other or like they're mad with one another every time they're talking. What came as a shock was the discrepancy in situations like accommodations and training styles across his overseas experience was interesting to me when he initially went to boarding school in Italy at the first program, they would do their laundry, but then they would have a ringer to dry the clothes. So you would have this machine that you kind of ran the clothes through to wring the water out. And then he put line up on his window. Yeah. And had the windows open in the boarding school room and actually had his little clothing, you know, hang, hung up to dry. They had a laundry there that did some of the laundry, some of the sheets and all, but his kit and various items, he'd have to wash himself. So I think that was different. Then he, for a short time, he played with the team and um, I don't, I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to say which team it was. It was a, a, a club, a, you know, a good semi-pro club. And I think it was a phenomenal experience for him. But initially when they placed them in apartments, he and this one other teammate, you know, the conditions were just very different than what they're used to. They were actually worms in yeah. the shower. So they would have to what, run water. Now we just have to run the water before we got in the shower because they were like little worms all around the edges. So that was, that was different. Even if there weren't worm infested showers, sometimes a bad fit had more to do with the quality of instruction. Yeah, when I went to Madrid for a trial, the, the way the coach would uh, like structure the practices were different. So. If we were doing a scrimmage, he would stop uh, stop to play to explain something every few minutes. So you couldn't really get into the rhythm of play, which was kind of annoying, but I understood that 
he wanted to teach us something. But um, if your style doesn't really fit with the team or the coach, it's hard to show them like what skills you want to showcase when it's not what they want. The opportunity to get in front of world-class coaches and learn from the best soccer in the world was still an opportunity that Jared couldn't let pass. He continued to find chances to improve on an international stage. The vast majority of players who go overseas are never going to play professionally. Even the large number of players here are never going to make it to that level. But I think there's so many other benefits to having an opportunity to go and train overseas. You're exposed to different cultures, you're exposed to different foods, you're immersed in a language. I think it's a much better way for you to actually learn how to speak Italian or Portuguese or Spanish or whatever language than just having, you know, class classrooms here in the U.S. Um, I think there's so many benefits to being exposed to different people and different cultures. When you return to the U.S., perhaps it'll help you if you're aspiring to be playing college soccer. Um, you know, that, that's an entirely different conversation. But as you know, there are very few scholarships for college soccer players and the vast majority of the larger scholarship, you know, money is go towards foreign players. So if you're trained in Europe, it may help you get more money from, you know, from that standpoint than you would as just a U.S. trained player. Jared had no intent to come back and play NCAA sanctioned college soccer, though. He played in Spain with Division de Honor Juvenile which allowed Jared access to an even more selective pool of eyes. This gentleman who's created it has his own teams. He's got two teams that are working themselves up. I think they're uh, this first and second level of regional play now. And one thing that was good about Jared being there was being in the country allowed him to attend a couple of trials. And that's how he joined um, what's called a division de honor group. They have these top tier, I guess, of juvenile players 18 and under and many of the top teams will look at this group of players to you know kind of choose their players from and he was able to get a trial with one of these he and a friend of his because they were already in Spain. While Jared and his friends were navigating the European club and semi-pro landscapes he began experiencing mental health setbacks. First it was focus then came the performance anxiety. Unlike the rapidly changing climate of American mental health discourse, Jared had no outlets to let off his mental steam overseas. The culture surrounding help-seeking behavior was constricted to simply attempting to muscle through it on your own. Mental health-wise, they don't really teach it, but over there in the countries in Europe, I've noticed just it's a more togetherness within the team, so everybody kind of pumps each other up, and so their mentality is obviously to win, but they want to do it for each other, so you don't have as much pressure. But um, it's just different over there. They, they don't really teach, like I said, the mental health side. You kind of have to do it on your own. Well, and we were told at the one one of the facility, one of the academies he had joined, that they had a psychologist on staff, but they were going to who was going to be teaching how to stay focused. And you know, because so many young players do get their confidence shaken, and you know, I feel like Jared went through a phase where he kind of. His confidence was shaken for a while. I, I think some of the players who are very strong at a young age begin to put a great deal of pressure on themselves. They feel as if the team is depending on them and it almost makes causes them to freeze as a result because they put so much internal, they internalize a lot of this. Or they'll you know, fall into the situation where they'll perhaps lose a ball or have a bad mood or a bad shot and they can't get beyond that. They're just thinking about what they messed up instead of moving forward. 
and we'd had um we'd reached out to a couple people here to help Jared kind of learn some tools or techniques so he could overcome that. They were sports psychologists, so they just they kind of helped me with confidence and how to be in the moment because mentality is such a big part of your performance now that it's so important that you just believe in yourself and are able to like move past mistakes you do. So that's what I've been trying to, it's like a, your brain is like a muscle. So just trying to improve like that, just keep learning new things to get stronger. Although the mentality is to look within yourself in times of emotional and mental strife, a now 19 year old Jared found that he could rely on his teammates more than he felt that he could if the situation had been superimposed on an American experience. He had teammates rely on him for strength and he asked the same of them when he needed a confidence boost. Yeah, especially in the academy I was with in Spain, I had a few friends who struggled with just uh, doubting themselves. So we kind of talked together to try to work on that, but it's just everyone has a different way to just gain confidence. So we kind of try to figure it out by ourselves, but also help each other. It helped his mental health, though, that every time he stepped out of his apartment, Jared felt as though soccer was a universal language of love and togetherness. Even if he wasn't fluent in Italian, soccer was the agent that bound him to the communities and countries that welcomed him. I had gone with him to Assisi when he was 15. We were walking through the plaza at you know maybe 11.30 at night, you know, late at night, but it's a very safe area. And he had his ball that he was dribbling and people would make comments about the ball. A couple of times he'd pass it or they'd you know, ask for the ball. So asking this little kid just, you know, walking down the street to pass the ball to them and they'd pass it back and forth. So just, I don't know if they were friendlier or more open to interaction, but it almost seemed like having the soccer ball was an invitation to a conversation or to, you know, some sort of interaction. And I don't think you get that here. Even though her son was across the ocean living out his dream, Tista missed his presence. And from wanting to help him maneuver this period of his life, a blog began. Originally, it was used to fill family in on Jared's travels and adventures. But over time, Tista began to field questions from parents of players who had expressed a similar interest to Jared's of playing overseas. They didn't know what information to believe about club culture, and sought out Tista and Jared's expertise on the subject. It happened so frequently that Tista decided to transform her personal chronicles into a guidebook of sorts for how Americans could get their names out to international soccer opportunities. Thus. Go Soccer Pro was born. After Jared went to Italy, I was just surprised at how many people began asking us about his experience. I had started a small blog that was intended to be a journal of his experience that was only for, you know, my sister, my sister-in-law, like, you know, grandparents, just immediate family. And we began having people who had been on his team. And then other people, I had a few people start reaching out to me who I didn't even know and saying, we, you know, heard your kid went over to Italy. What, you know, how did that how did you do that? And so I started a bigger blog that I opened up. I you know, stopped keeping it so private. And over time, I just um, I recognized about a year ago that organically I was getting about 3,000 hits on my site. And that was without doing any advertising. It was just posting whenever I posted. It was it's become a hobby at that point for me. And um, you know, decided there really is a need out there. There are a lot of parents who want to know what opportunities are available. There are a lot of players who would like to explore if there's a path that's viable for playing in Europe or in other countries, you know, what can they do? And one thing I recognize also was that in all our research, it took a lot of time. We've spent 
hundreds of hours scouring through Google, being looking for these obscure articles or trying to make connections to speak to people to find out, you know, what area is safe, what area is not safe. You know, um, now, you know, what COVID testing do you need before flying? There's so many little things, even obtaining visas, there's, it can be very difficult to go through the steps of obtaining a visa. There's so many little details that you have to put together. The first time we did our visa application for Jared, I think it came back three times because there was that much more additional information they wanted. You know, I thought I was specifically answering all their questions, but they had very, very specific requirements and I wasn't quite meeting, you know, some of those. So it, it, there's a lot to learn as you kind of traverse this path and we realized that it's not easily obtainable. So I wanted to create a site where everything, all the information could be gathered in one place. So what I'm hoping to create or what I'm trying to create out of Go Soccer Pro is a one-stop shop where if a parent or a child is interested in learning how you can train abroad or possibly play abroad, you can go there, search through my articles, search through the information. I have a Q and answer section, question and answer section talking about how to obtain a visa, how to get the passport, you know, the rules for minors abroad, links to FIFA regulations, just a there's a great deal of information that's all been kind of collected and placed in one space. So it'll be more easy to navigate and kind of get the information that you need. So you can determine whether it is an option that you want to explore that might be good for, a good fit for you as a player or for your family. So one struggle I'm having right now is I want to give the information for any academy I can find. So parents can talk to them and explore whether or not it might be a good fit because maybe there's an academy in a small country that I wouldn't feel comfortable with, but somebody has, you know, an aunt who lives down the street. They may have a connection that makes them feel more comfortable with the child being in a smaller country that I might not be comfortable with for my yeah. child. I mean, you never know. So I want to make, what I'm doing now is I have a number of academies and camps and tour groups listed. I haven't spoken to all the people at each of these. What I am starting to do now is have some conversations with these people and what I've told them, I've had seven or eight academies have reached out to us wanting me to promote them exclusively. And I do not want to do that. I've told them that if I have a conversation with you, I don't mind writing that up. If I have an opportunity to go visit their facilities or see their place, I can write something a little bit more in detail about our thoughts. I've written articles on the two programs Jared was a part of, but I'm not going to say something to promote a group that I haven't visited or I don't know personally. The ones that we're, the vet, that we're vetting that I need to write more articles for are the ones that I've met with the people personally. Either Jared has participated personally or in one instance, there's another young man who we know will, who I know the parents and if they've gone and they can give me, you know, personal <laughs> recommendations or some personal experiences, what the people were like. At, at this point, there are very few that I have vetted on my side and that hasn't been my goal. I'm not trying to connect people with academies only because I don't feel comfortable doing that as a parent. Um, what I'm trying to do is connect people with the information and with the questions they should be asking, things that perhaps they haven't even thought about asking. You know, what do you need to know before you send your child someplace? Um, you know, what should you be thinking of? What, what considerations might you not have thought of? Because it may seem like it's very simple to just send your child there to boarding school, but a boarding school in another country may be very different than a boarding school atmosphere here. The Go Soccer Pro brand stemmed entirely from Jared's experiences overseas. Antista figured that in addition to the lack of roadmaps to begin, once athletes entered the clubs, there were no resources to facilitate staying. 
no physical assistance, and similarly, no mental care. One of the things I'm trying to build on Go Soccer Pro now is a network of mental health experts. I've had a few interviews with some sports psychologists. There were certainly the couple people that Jared had spoken with. We had purchased one program for him to go through that talked about, you know, being in the moment. I, I don't know if you watch Ted Lasso at all, the Apple TV show, <laughs> but he talks about how you've got to be like a goldfish. You know, your memory needs to be 10 seconds long. And I think that's so true. You know, that's one of the, it's so difficult to learn how to focus and at the same time, let go. You know, you've got to be in the moment of play. You know, you can be planning what you're going to be doing to a degree, but you can't focus at all or waste any time worrying about what, you know, went on before. You've got to be moving forward. And it's, it's difficult for adults to grasp that or learn how to do it. Forget, you know, young kids or young players. But I think the best thing we can do is just support our child. Everybody knows, you know, any parent knows their child better than anybody else. Every I've got three kids, all raised the same, and they have completely different personalities. They respond differently to different, you know, the way I motivate them is different for each of them. So you know your child, you know what motivates them, you know what they want. Sometimes you know what they need better than they may know. And if you know they have a dream, you just want to help them attain it and, and or do whatever you can to support them. And at least I never want, we don't want him to ever feel like, what if I was able to go there? Maybe I could have done this. You know, had we not sent him to Italy, I don't think he ever would have played semi-pro. In Italy, it just wouldn't have happened had he not built up to this. And I would hate for him to ever think I could have done something except for, you know, my mom didn't let me, whatever it was. So if there's something we can do to try and help him make a dream, attain a dream, then we want to help provide him the support. And then it's up to him because he either has a skill or he doesn't. He has the talent, he has the drive, or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, then he reaches his, you know, whatever the top is, and that, that's it. But at least he won't look back and think that I could have but for something. If you feel like having a mental health professional at your fingertips would help you better your life like Jared, this might be your lucky day. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm so thrilled to be working with them on another episode. All of the stories I've told thus far have been the vulnerabilities of elite athletes and team personnel. But what happens before they're comfortable speaking about some of the most difficult times in their lives on such a public forum? Nearly all of them have utilized either a sports psychologist or a therapist. Now, I'm bringing that option to you, the listeners. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode and thought, I feel exactly the same way, I've partnered with BetterHelp to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them at any time. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change providers. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, BetterHelp also plans for that. They offer financial aid if funding is the only thing standing between you and getting the help that you need. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for all Closer Mentality listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash Closer Mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Closer Mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is also in the show notes. If you'd like to follow all the Go Soccer Pro information and content that Tista's been producing, head on over to Instagram and follow at Go Soccer Pro. 
You can also go to www.gosoccerpro.com to find all the information there. If you'd like to see Jared's travels, you can follow him on Twitter at Jared M. Sullivan. I love that he has been so willing to sacrifice so much. I mean, for us, it's been a huge sacrifice not having him here. He's had to, you know, we want him here. This is my mama's boy, so I want him home with me. But I'm very proud of him that he has gone and, you know, he's missed birthdays, he's missed holidays, he's missed family celebrations. We've tried to fit in as much on summer vacations and Christmases as possible to have him still involved with everything. One year we had three of them were in high school. So we pulled him back and kept him home so all three could be at the same high school. And that may have been selfish on my husband and my part, but we, we wanted that experience as a family of having the three of them together. I am very proud of him that he's willing to give up so much and that you know he has sacrificed a great deal. He's sacrificed a lot of fun events with friends or going out or doing things all because he's been wanting to train or and I know he's doing what he loves, but I'm very proud of him that he has the passion and that he has the drive to actually fulfill that passion, you know, to chase it. I mean, he goes wholeheartedly into this. He puts his all into it. And I, and I love that about him. And it makes us, you know, as parents, you want to support your kids to do whatever they want. You want them to do what they love and to be successful at it. So we want to do whatever we can to help him achieve his dream. And I, I'm proud of everything he's put towards it himself. That's the end of episode 45 of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellet. Thanks for listening to The Sullivan Story. If you found it helpful, I have a few links to additional resources in the show notes. If you liked this episode, I'd love if you filled out the survey in the show notes. It helps me continue to tell stories that you find interesting and applicable. As always, give Closer Mentality a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Closer Mental and on the Closer Mentality Uncensored YouTube channel to watch full-length interviews with all of my guests. I'll have more awesome content out next episode, but until then, have a lovely holiday, and I'll see you next week.